Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live. All right, welcome into NFR Live. It's January Third, this is going to be the fourth interview we're doing uh, for our 31 for 31 campaign. Hope you guys are enjoying this, and I'm, I know I'm going to enjoy this because uh, our next guest fishes an area that I, I used to fish often. I lived in uh, Coin to Less in the States and fished off of uh, Bayou Liberty and then Car Drive and Eden Isles, that whole area, Bayou Liberty. And uh, uh, Daniel, judging by the reports, man, that's that's where you call home. Um, let, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe, you know, your father. Um, for those who are new, we have a lot of new new uh, members coming in who don't, you know, know where you're from, what you do. What, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your history with fishing that area. Okay. Um, I grew up fishing the North Shore um, ever since the early 80s. My dad and my mother divorced. So he moved back to Slidell, and, um, you know, we've been fishing uh, Highway 11, Car Drive, Eden Isles um, since probably 1981 or early 82. And in, in the latter part of 2011, I think it was, we started fishing the Bonfuca uh, Bayou Liberty area. And fishing has just been phenomenal over there. We were really <laughs> impressed with how much, uh, I guess, how many bass we were able to catch uh, in that area for being a new area to us. You know, right away we started catching fish. Okay, dad, so you, 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 guys live, you guys live in Pearl River, is that correct? Yeah, my dad lives in Pearl River. I live in Slidell. Okay, and now why that area? Don't you have a camp? or something off off of a uh, car drive or Eden Isles or where, where is it? Yeah, it's over by car drive. Okay, so you have a camp, so the boat's already in the water there, huh? Yeah. Okay, that makes it a lot easier. All yeah. right, we'll start out um start out with with let's just start out with what we saw um fall. Man, that that uh those speckled trout were slow to to show up, but when they when they showed up on that that shoreline, it was incredible and into uh Bayou Liberty seems like they didn't get as far up into Bayou Liberty as they did last year. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, they were late. It, it seems like the shrimp run was a little bit longer this year than it had been. So I think once the trout showed up in the uh, bayous and the canals, that they tended to stay a little bit longer because we had a longer shrimp run. It didn't get cold um, as early as it normally did to push the shrimp out into the lake. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you guys mainly focus on? I, I'm, I'm assuming it's bass, year-round bass and perch. I guess perch more in the summer, um, and then you you focus in on on trout. Do you? It, it seems to be that you guys just continuously catch bass, and then when the trout appear and you start catching them, you just kind of go slow, you know? Yeah, we we like bass fishing. We've been doing it forever, but you know, but we grew up in I grew up in Chalmette. 
and my dad would take us down to um, Reggio and Delacroix on the weekends and after work. So I've been fishing saltwater actually a little bit longer than bass. But once he moved to Slidell, you know, he it was brackish, and he'd never really fished bass. So we kind of learned together, and the bass just seemed like um, year-round they're easy to catch, whereas the trout are migratory. They're here, and then they're not. So when the trout are here, we, we usually switch over to trout and try to get some trout. Uh, he loves trout. I don't eat the trout. I give mine away. <laughs> but the bass, um, you know, they're year-round. They're um, territorial. So we'll fish the bass, fill the freezer. When a trout come in and reds come in, we'll try to switch a little bit to them. Sometimes we'll switch it up and fish perch. Um, you know, they're excellent to eat also. Yeah. How do y'all clean the perch? Well, I I usually don't clean perch unless they're big enough for me to fillet because mm-hmm. my people um, don't really pick fish. But my dad um, will usually just cut the heads off and gut them. I, like I said, I'll fillet mine, and uh, sometimes I'll clean them whole if uh, they're smaller or if we're doing a fish fry specifically. I'm cleaning them specifically for the fish fry. You know, okay. people will come yeah. over who can't even pick them. Right, right. So your dad will just fry them whole and pick at them, huh? Yeah, he'll fry them whole and pick at them. But uh, I guess I got spoiled with catching them big enough to be able to fillet them. Yeah, wow. Now it seems like, man, it just seems like you guys, I I know you don't have an exact count. How many limits, how many trips did you guys go on where you limited out with speckled trout? I mean, that's incredible. These, This is like, I mean, the North Shore is good fishing, but, you know, it's not necessarily known for limits. You know, you go down to Delacroix, you go down to Bluxy Marsh for for limits. And, I mean, that it was incredible. It seemed like, you know, you guys, it just seemed like 20 trips you went out there and made a limit, you know? Yeah, I didn't count the number of trips that we made, but uh, I did a rough tally, and I think within a month and a half or two months span, we caught about uh, 650 trout. <clears throat> Paradise, man. You no need to leave that area. I mean, literally, yeah. you don't. You don't need to. I mean, you you know, you start fishing that area, and you start to get a feel and then a sense of, of what's about to turn on, and you beat yeah. the crowd. And and I mean, it's there, you know. Yeah, and the um, thing is that we were fishing, you know, the bayous, and most people were going out to the lake looking for the trout because they were supposed to have been out into the the lake at that time. But because the shrimp were still in the marshes, they, the trout were still in the marshes in the bayou. Mm-hmm. So we were fishing the canals and the marshes while everybody else was going out to the lake, and that's not where the trout were. So we well, pretty much were, had it all to ourselves. <laughs> they were along that shoreline for a little while, I can tell you that. Um, yeah. But this year, what's your take on the the lake as the farther west you went, it seems like the less action. Uh, Bayou Lacombe even suffered. Um, when usually October is, you know, November is a great month to fish those bayous, and specifically late September and October. Um, it just seems like that area struggled where just a few miles down or a mile or two down, you know, east towards Bayou Liberty, it, it, it was okay. What's, what's your take on that? Um, I don't really know because we we rarely go past. <laughs> you don't ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really go past Fonfuca normally. <laughs> but the only thing Everything's I can say, all right in your world. <laughs> I, I know that we've had higher than normal 
um, tithes consistently because we have some um, some PVC casings hammered down over some pylons in the water across from the camp. So we're mm-hmm. able to judge the, the tide by that. And normal tide, we would, we would just be able to see the tops of them. But throughout mm-hmm. most of the fall and early winter, we couldn't see them at all. So the, the water was up some, which I think helped push the, the fish further back in the marsh. But I'm not quite sure why they didn't go so far west. Maybe they didn't have to go that far because they came uh, as they came in from the Wrigley's, they found the bait closer, close enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I don't see too many trestle reports from you guys, but I did see you, you snuck out a few times. I think you couldn't resist all yeah. those big trout being caught. Um, talk about your experiences at the trestles this year um, as far as, you know, how many trips you made and, and what you guys end up doing at the trestles. We've only made a couple trips up to the trestles. My biggest thing with the trestles is that we usually fish at the tandem moor for a trout and when you get snagged you lose two lures so it gets mm-hmm. more expensive fishing the trestles but we'll go out there every now and then we'll try to cast away from the bridge and try to let the tide bring it to the bridge um, the fish aren't always right under the bridge depending on which way the tide's going um, and how strong it is they'll uh, stage uh, maybe 20 yards from the bridge and wait for the bait to just come to them. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest uh, trout y'all caught at the trestles this year? Or fall? This um, fall? Maybe probably three pounds, three and a half mm-hmm. pounds. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, like I said, we, we really don't go out to the trestles often. I know right. a lot of people are catching some good trout out there, but um, we just haven't been there. Yeah, well, I think you guys did your damage as far as <laughs> trout is concerned <laughs> earlier, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now that you mentioned the tandem rig, that yeah. seems like you guys are going to that more often. And I've always been a fan of that only because numerous times when I'm re- reeling up a fish, I see another fish chasing that fish with, with the, the single bait in his mouth. And I'm thinking, man, there's another bait there you can catch too. Um, yeah. When you're fishing with tandem rigs, you'll notice when you start catching fish, your fish doubled. You almost got more, always have more fish in that box than what you think just because one catch you're bringing two fish in the boat uh right. talk about what's y'all's addiction with that because y'all are you and your father are just man that y'all are killing it with that so talk about um how you you know i, I i'm assuming you started uh i don't remember you guys doing the tandem rig i mean you've been posting on the site for like three years i don't remember it being so prevalent as it is now yeah, when we were catching all the trout, my dad's a fan of uh, the tandem rig for trout. So he was using it, and he was catching a bunch of trout. He was catching doubles, and I was just very obstinate. I didn't want to have to re-rig and tie, and I was happy with my single. But over time, you know, you see him catch that many doubles in a row, and you just have to learn. So I would tie one on, and we kind of fish it in a an unconventional manner compared to most people because the conventional way is your main line is heavier and your uh, leader is usually lighter so that when you get snagged on something and pop it, it pops at the leader line. Well, we make the, we normally fish uh, 10 or 12 pound test on the reels and make the leader line for the um, the lures out of 20 or 25. Mm. Wow, okay. 
Yeah, so that's the size line that you typically see uh, when you go and buy the pre-made tandem rigs, like the old uh, spec rig. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a thick line. Okay, yeah. so talk about, uh, you know, you, you like this, uh, I see you using the shoe-shoe with, with the tandem rig. How are you rigging that? We're either using one eighth or one sixteenth jig heads, and uh, basically you just tie a barrel swivel onto the end of your line, and then we'll make a. Uh, you can either make a the V line, the traditional V line, where you um, tie the lures on each end and then tie it into the barrel swivel at the at a certain point and make the V out of it, or you can tie a separate line for each one. Two but separate we, lines, yeah. Right. What we do though is. The, the two lures are usually 12 to 18 inches apart, and that way when they hit the water, they're normally, you know, they, they can go up to three feet away from each other. So I think mm-hmm. by having a bigger um, separation between the lures, when they hit the water, when you retrieve it, it helps to increase the double rod. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, have you ever tried the? Uh, I did it in the, uh, the Salt Bayou video of fishing the shoe shoes, and uh, I tried it with nothing, no weight, everything free lined on a tandem. Um, it wasn't even. It, it was a. Um, what is the name of that barrel swivel? It's, it's very, very microscopic. It's very small. Um, it doesn't have much weight, but I went. I went uh, to Bayou Adventure and got one and. Um, it worked great. I mean, it didn't tangle at all. It was no weight. You know, I didn't have any weights on the hooks. It was just typical worm worm hooks. So these these two shoe shoes, and I was fishing the slug. And what I thought was when I was going to pull it, when I was pulling it, I thought they would both move at the same time in the move the same way. So I was a little skeptical. But when I saw it in the water, many things were darting and shooting opposite directions, popping up and down. Have you ever tried fishing that without any kind of weight? Yeah, we fish them like that um, when we fish the grass line or if there's a lot of debris, um, we'll fish them like that. But the only downside is being able to cast. But um, we fish them weightless or we fish them weedless where uh, I'll, I'll take a jig head and I'll actually rig it weedless. You know, we try to use as light as jig head as possible because, like you said, when you twitch it, um, they'll dart in opposite direction. And mm-hmm. I think the darting is triggering the strike from the fish. It's thinking that the the lure is actually dying. It's a dying bait fish. So it looks like an easy meal to them. And I think the, the shushu has such a, a natural action when it darts like that. I mean, it just it's a perfect roll, and it seems to work really well. Yeah, yeah you guys are doing really good on that. Um, talk a little bit about your, what's your latest trip that you made? Um, it's been probably a week or so since I've been out. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a bass trip. I think it was to Bonfuka, if I remember correctly. Um, same um, setup we've been using, the tandem rig. Uh, I've been using one sixteenth ounce jig heads. My dad's been using one eighth. Uh, we've been using tandems, both of us. Um, every now and then I'll throw a single if there's some debris or um, some kind of obstacle that I don't want to necessarily snag because we're, we're using the jig heads just open hook like you rig, mm-hmm. traditional rigging. Um, uh, and I think the last time we went out uh, three hours for me to drive from my house to the camp 
load the boat, run over to Bonfuka, come back, and me to drive home, we had our limit of fish. So it's Bonfuka has been, been doing really well, and, you know, it seems like every time we go there, we're able to catch a limit. Yeah. Do you all ever venture back into little Tanasas and duck ponds? There's, there's not as many um, on Bonfuka as other other little bayous, but um, there are a few. I know um, after the last hard turn to get to the lake, I know there's one. Um, do you all ever venture back into those? We usually don't. Um, we normally stay in the main bayous with a little bit deeper water, and, you know, like I said, we fish the outside of the grass line. Um, I guess once or twice, I think, we did go down, I believe it was Bayou Malame. And Malame, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went in there to do some exploring because you had brought it up uh, one time before. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the most part, we we tend to stay to the main bayous. Mm-hmm. Did you get as far as when it breaks off into two, like a fork? I think we stopped at the fork. Okay. I think it was the evening, and it was starting to get late, and uh, my dad was starting to get turned around, so uh, I just wanted to make sure we got out before um, the sun went down, and then we had to run through the lake. Yeah, one thing with that bayou is, it, man, that shoreline, it jets straight down. It's like it, it, it doesn't, you know, I don't know if it's because of the erosion or what, but it's like it during where it hits the, the marsh line, it'll shoot straight down a few feet, you know, in certain yeah. areas. So it's a good deep shoreline? Yeah, yeah. Um, what, uh, so what, let's reflect back. I want a story from you. I want I want one of your best trips. Maybe it was the trip where you <laughs> you caught the shrimp and some crabs and the fish, or what's, what's, what's a memorable trip that you've had this fall? Yeah, there have been a couple where we've gone out and we've seen shrimp jumping. So we start fishing, and then we, the fishing will die down some, so we start throwing a cast net, and then we, we were able to catch some shrimp. And uh, I always, my dad makes fun of me, but I always, when I see the crabs swimming by, I'll grab the, the landing net and scoop them. And mm-hmm. uh, there was one trip we made where we caught a bunch of shrimp, but we caught 18 crabs, and four of them were shedders, and we were able to get three softshell crabs out of those. One of them died coming out. And then on top of that, we were still able to get a limit of trout and a couple bass to go with it. Daniel, I think y'all should just you should quit your job, live at the camp, and just <laughs> just fish all day and eat, and then maybe open up a roadside seafood stand. Man, I think y'all do good. Yeah. Well, the irony is my my grandparents used to own a restaurant on Highway 11. Which one was that? Uh, uh, It was uh, CSACS. And then my grandfather, I mean, my uncle had a bar on uh, Highway 11 right by Car Drive called Henry's Crab House. That was back in the early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like you can can supply your own... uh seafood market with, with the yeah. stuff y'all are catching. Talk a little bit about Highway 11, that Highway 11 canal. Um, man, there's got to be some fish in there. It just, there's nobody fishing it. How shallow, let's let's take the bridge where a car drive goes over. How shallow is it there? Um, on a normal tide, you may have three or four feet under the bridge. Um, there are the, I guess it was the Coast Guard or um, 
Corps of Engineers came and put some lights on the bridge. But the way they did it was they put the red lights in line with the pylons, and then the green light is hanging down a foot and a half maybe below the bridge in the middle of one of the uh, sections to go through. So if you're not careful, you will actually hit your head or your T-top um, on the light itself. But the you know if you go uh, in the opening next to it, it's clear. But um, like I said, it, depending on what the tide is, it gets pretty shallow. Yeah, y'all ever fish past that bridge up in there? Yeah, we fish Highway 11. It, it's a little bit harder to fish. It doesn't um, produce as much, it seems. But it doesn't seem like a lot of people fish that canal right. either. So you would think that it would be uh, easy pickings, but I guess some places are just harder for some people. Yeah. Um, you ever get into Eden Isles? Yeah, we fish. We used to fish Eden Isles um, a couple years ago. It seems like with the deeper water, there are usually bigger bass. But it's just so easy for us to run right there to Bonfuca. We pretty much have stopped going to Eden Isles. We'll go. Yeah. My dad will go. We'll go every now and then just to see how things are going or if we want to try to catch some bigger bass. But normally, um, we head toward Bonfuca. All right, uh, before we close out, let's let's try to help out the listeners a little bit. If somebody was going out there, um, I mean, January, we should see the spec. You know how speckled trout rule, it, it, you get you start catching speckled trout, and that's all you see now. But the reports should be coming back over to the bass side. Bass really never, never stop. Um, and I've always thought of Bonfica as a great wintertime bayou. Um, we've caught fish you know, all over there in, in really, really cold temperatures. It seems like they group up better in the colder uh, temperatures. I can recall just l- using a little beetle spin, uh, and, and it was almost one after the other, same spot, same spot, same spot, like I've never seen before. Um, in midwinter, I think it was January, 50-something degrees outside. Do you find that also as they, they group up, it seems like, more in the, uh, the colder weather? Yeah, it seems like, I don't know if they're doing it for warmth because more bodies next to each other are producing more warmth. Um, but it seems like they school better in the winter. And during the winter in Bonfuka, there are key, some key things to look for. Um, the rocks will get hot sooner and earlier in the day, so they'll hold more heat. So the fish tend to gravitate towards them in the morning. Um, and then dirty water will heat sooner than uh, clear water because of the darker pigment in it. So Bonfuka has a lot of different um, things to offer for wintertime fishing, and you don't necessarily have to fish very deep for uh, wintertime bass in Bonfuka because one of the things that we like to do is we'll take a single shoe rig Texas style with uh, no weight or one thirty-second ounce bullet weight, and we'll just throw it to the sh- uh, shoreline side of the grass line and we will reel it really fast across the grass, and the fish will come up and hit it, you know, 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, you got me ready to go fishing. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's try to help somebody out. If they wanted to go out, let's say, in January, uh, looks like we've got some real cool weather coming, but uh, what, what would you suggest? Is, is Heritage Park a good place to launch, or is that a pain in the butt idling through all that? Or where would you suggest to launch? 
it depends on where you plan to fish. If there, if you launch at Heritage Park, there are a lot of no wake zones, so you do have to idle a good ways, to, especially to get to the lake. Coin de Leston is right before the lake, and Palm Lake is before Coin de Leston, leaving from Heritage Park. So if you're planning to fish, you know, Palm Lake or even before uh, Palm Lake, there are places to fish in Bonfruca before you get that far, then Heritage Park is not that bad of an idea. If you don't mind doing the, the no-wake zones and idling through, then you can, I mean, when we fish um, Coin de Leston, if we trailer the boat over to Heritage Park, you know, you, you fish all the way to Coin de Leston. You don't necessarily have to just uh, out, use the outboard to get there. So Heritage Park is a good option, and uh, very few people, it seems, actually go right when they leave the park. Everyone goes left toward the lake, but we've caught a lot of fish um, going to the right because there are a lot of cypress trees once you get uh, around the curve past the park. Mm-hmm. So, so How Heritage far does that park, go? It, go, it actually, Bonfuca actually goes um, all the way to, it goes past West Hall almost to 190. Wow, okay, so that's a lot of fishable water that nobody's touching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what about uh what about Bayou Liberty uh marina? I would think that would be easily accessible for most people, huh? Yeah, Bayou Liberty is a good option because um it's not far from the lake. So if you wanted to fish Bayou Liberty, uh launch up the marina there and then come in through the lake to go into Bonfruca, there trout, redfish possibilities right as you come in the feeder canal from the lake. And then when you get to the split, you go to the right to Bonfuca. And, you can I mean, we've started at the lake and just trolled in, and sometimes we don't even get two coins to less than. Yeah. So, okay, so, so so January, give us some pointers. If somebody wanted to go out there and catch some bass, what, what would you suggest they'd do? I would suggest it's not necessary to get out there at um, the crack of dawn because the water, if it's cold and the water's cold, uh, I usually like to go out maybe around 10 or 11 o'clock, let the water have a little bit of time to, to heat some. The fish will come up from the deep some, and I like fishing shallower. You know, like I said, the grass lines, um, it's uh, it's quite exciting to reel that shushu across the grass and have that fish come up and pop at it. So it's not necessary to get out there at uh, crack of dawn. You can sleep in, go out there. I would probably recommend launching at Heritage Park and idling out toward the lake. Um, wherever you see um, shiners, and this is the time of the year that you see the Manhattan, um, the bass will be under them. Uh, stop and fish there and fish below the school uh, of bait because usually the bigger fish are under them. Um, if you want to keep going, if you like fishing structure, you can fish. Uh, there are plenty of shorelines with uh, riprack, rock, um, pylons, debris. If you like fishing docks, then you can go into the subdivision canals. Um, there are plenty of options um, if you come in from Bayou Liberty and too, because you'll be coming in from the Coin de Leston side. So you can fish the feeder canal up to Coin de Leston. You can go into Coin de Leston. Um, I would, we've been using the Shushu, a tandem rig, um, one-eighth or one-sixteenth ounce uh, jig heads, and we've been fishing the outside of the grass line, and we've been doing our limit every time. 
What colors these guys been using? I like the gunmetal color. My dad has been using the victory red. Okay. Well, all right, uh, Daniel. I'm looking forward to more of you guys' reports. I'm sure you won't be stopped stop fishing uh, this January. I'm, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys end up doing in, in Bayou Bonfica and, and Car Drive. I always, always, always read your reports and love them, man. I, I appreciate all the reports you guys give and, and what you, you know, contribute to the site. So I appreciate y'all. That's no problem. And the site is a good uh, portal for people who want to find out what's happening, but also learn new techniques techniques and what's actually um, catching fish. So yeah. whatever we can do to help, you know, we try to post what we, we're using, where we're going, things like that. Thanks a lot, Daniel. No problem. Have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.